following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And then again in the fourth chapter of First Peter, I read, Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, and orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. It's a story, but it's much more than entertainment. Literally, I come day by day to this broadcast to outline from John Bunyan and from the scriptures and from my own experience the pathway that we must walk as we leave the city of destruction and move with faith and love and confidence toward that celestial city. But let's not kid ourselves. It is not an easy road. Any person who decides to follow Jesus Christ will be persecuted. If you are not persecuted, perhaps it's because you're not on the road yet. And perhaps when the world looks at you, they think you're one of their own. When you truly give up your life, you give up control, you surrender to Jesus Christ, your time, your energy, your money, you no longer lay claim to any aspect of your life, but you instead give it in loving service first to Jesus and then to other people amazing things will begin to happen in your life. The Christian walk is not primarily an intellectual pursuit. It's a process instead of reflecting on the revelation that God has given us. And out of that reflection and understanding, we begin to determine that this place in the world that we have enjoyed is called the City of Destruction. John Bunyan looks at this as walking in the wilderness. Remember the first chapter of Pilgrim's Progress. 
He said the whole world was a wilderness to him, and he was wandering in it until he finally found a cave where he could sleep. And that cave, of course, was the was the new Bedford jail cell. And they put him in there because he was preaching the gospel. He was a tinker. He repaired pots and pans. He went around carrying a heavy pack on his back, and he repaired pots and pans. And he preached the gospel. And because of that, they put him in prison because he did not have a license to preach the gospel. I believe the day will come when those churches that have signed up as 501c3 tax-exempt organizations are going to have great grief to face as they lose their buildings, they lose their ministry, unless they adhere to the one-world view and the one-world religion that's rapidly coming upon this nation and the entire Western world. It's interesting, I was looking at the regulations for a 501c3 organization, tax-exempt. Did you know that if you choose to leave that 501c3 category, you have to donate your land and all of your resources to another 501c3 organization. You cannot simply give it to another church, or simply go and start a church that is not a 501c3. It's always puzzled me why God's people want to take a tax deduction on their tithes and offerings. I don't understand that. Why should the government be involved in giving you back a portion of what you have given to God? Why should you take a tax break for what you give to God. That means that the government is subsidizing your giving to God. Isn't there something wrong with that? Don't we believe in a separation between church and state? Should the government be giving tax-exempt status to a person because they give something to God? This whole deal is crazy. Before Lyndon Baines Johnson became president, before he brought forth this 501c3, all of the churches were what we call free churches. A free church simply means that you are not granted the right to exist by a government. You instead have the right to exist because you have been called forth by the power of God there is required no licensing for a church to operate. A church operates on the mandate of Scripture. Today we're missing all of that. Today we want to license pastors. We want to license churches. We want an IRS approval for the church. I want to tell you the day of sadness is coming upon the American church when the recognition finally dawns that the government is really not in favor of the Christian faith, but instead has become totally secular, leaning even toward 
other faiths before that of the Christian. So the National Prayer Chapel has decided that it will not be a 501c3, and neither are we incorporated, simply because we don't need to be licensed to be a church. Now, it was for this very thing that John Bunyan was put in prison. He refused to be licensed by the state, by the, by the nation. He refused the licensing in England that was required for a man to preach the gospel. Because of that, he was put in prison. He suffered. So as we come today to the reading of John Bunyan, I'm going to read from the chapter entitled, A Burden Lifted and a Journey Begun. And again, I'm reading this by permission. C.J. Lovick is the editor, 2009, Crossway Publishing, which is a ministry of good news publishers out of Wheaton, Illinois. I just want to dive right in now into the to the reading because there is much we need to to look at and talk about. Oh, I should give you our telephone number. It's 877-534-0780. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I should give you some of that important information, but it's really not important. What's important is the name of Jesus. And what's important is that we're here gathered in his name to learn more about the path, to be held accountable for walking on that path. Again, I'm reading Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. We begin on page 71. He went on his way, but while he was fretting over his unhappy circumstances, he lifted up his eyes and beheld a very stately palace in front of him. The name of the, of the place was House Beautiful, and it stood by the side of the highway. So I saw in my dream that he quickly walked forward, hoping he might find lodging. If you remember, we left Pilgrim or Christian yesterday, and it was just growing dark and he had not found a place of lodging. Before he had gone far, he entered into a very narrow passage, which was about a furlong off the porter's lodge. Looking very carefully ahead as he went, he suddenly saw two lions in the way. Now he thought, I see the dangers that drove mistrust and timorous back. The lions were chained, but he did not see the chains. Then he was very afraid and thought about going back, seeing nothing but death ahead of him. Just then the porter at the lodge, whose name was Watchful, seeing that Christian had stopped his progress as if he would go back, called out to him asking, Is your strength so small? Don't fear the lions, for they are chained and are placed there to test your faith and to discover those who have none. Keep in the middle of the path, and no harm shall come to you. 
Difficulty is behind. Fear is before. Though he got on the hill, the lions roar. A Christian man is never long at ease. When one's fright is gone, another does him seize. I have to stop there. Oh, this is so true. In my walk with Jesus, a terrifying thing will emerge. And as I look at that coming terrifying lion that would devour me, I am forced to begin to pray. I do that each month as I come toward a new month. I'm crying out to God about, Lord, how do you want to finance this next month? Because my agreement with the radio station is that if I come to the first of a month and I don't have the resources, I'm off the air. And so I see that coming like a lion at me, and it causes me to spend much time interceding, praying, waiting on God. And then the resources come. I'm very grateful. The fear is gone. And then the next lion shows up in front of me. And the next lion may be coming and speaking on this radio broadcast, dealing with your questions, causing me to spend a great amount of time in prayer and intercession. And then suddenly, as we're planning to come on the radio, we discover that the lawsuit between the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Church has finally been settled, and the Anglican Church has won, or the Episcopal Church has won, and that means that the Anglican Church that we rent, we have lost our space, and now we have to quickly find another place to move the church. Do you know what I do when I have to quickly move to do something? I go hide in the prayer closet, and I ask Jesus, what do you want me to do about this? Well, this time it was a very quick answer. All he answered was, trust me, wait on me. And so I trusted in Jesus. I waited on the Lord, and suddenly my telephone rang, and it was one of the leaders from St. Margaret's Anglican Church. And they were asking me, we're having to move out of our building, Ray. Are you interested in going with us to the new location that will be open for us? I said, absolutely, I'm very interested. Okay, we'll keep you in touch. And then as the days tick by, and then the weeks go by, and we come closer and closer to that deadline, I'm saying, Lord, what do I do? Trust me. Wait on me. Fast. Pray. And so I fast, and I pray, and I enter into what I call an intercession. Now, let me be clear about what I mean by an intercession. When there's a lion before me and I'm going to be devoured, I immediately go into deep prayer. I go into an intercession. Now, I call it an intercession because I'm asking God to come and move something in the physical realm that I cannot move. And always when I do this, 
I know what God is going to do. I've learned that this is his way. Before he'll deal with my lion, he comes to me with his agenda. Always God wants his agenda dealt with before he deals with my agenda. Now, let me, let me try to say this in a clear manner. There have been times when I have not known where I was going to live, where I did not know where my food was going to come from, where I did not know how to get the car repaired. Even right now, the Lord has graced me with a borrowed car. I'm currently in an intercession for another car. Every time, in every area, when I begin to enter into an intercession to change something in the physical realm, lest I be consumed by that thing, the Lord will come to me with specific issues that he wants me to deal with in my life. Sometimes it's the uncovering of something that I'm doing or thinking or feeling that is offensive to him and he wants to deal with it. Sometimes it's unbelief that I was not aware that I had. Sometimes it's a lack of faith that he wants to deal with. Sometimes it's just an attitude, something that I've been holding on to. For example, I began praying on one occasion, and the Lord spoke very forcibly in my spirit and said, You're too big for me to answer that prayer. I said, What? He repeated, You are too big for me to answer that prayer. Immediately I knew what he was saying to me. He was saying, You've become self-sufficient. You've become arrogant. You've become haughty. Humble your heart before me. Immediately, I began to fast. I humbled my heart before the Lord. I repented of every area where I had begun to be self-sufficient. As I dealt with God's agenda for my life, he then began to deal with my agenda, what I was needing. And through this process, he has disciplined me severely. He has trained me in a most real manner that I know that he is real, that I am utterly and totally dependent upon him for food, for lodging, for transportation. I am totally dependent upon him for money. This radio broadcast, I am totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. Some say, well, Pastor, isn't this radio supported by your listeners? No, this broadcast is supported by Jesus. And sometimes he'll move in a listener to help contribute. But other times he'll move in someone who is even out of the country or out of the state who doesn't get to listen to this broadcast. God uses 
whomever he chooses, he moves in hearts, he brings to pass what he desires. So I want to say to you today, if you're faced with a crisis in your life, like a lion, don't try to figure out how you're going to kill that lion. Get in your prayer closet, begin to pray, begin to fast, let God begin to deal with your heart in the way he wants to deal with your heart, and then God will shut the lion's mouth, or he'll make sure the lion is chained so that it can't eat you. This is called intercession. So when people say to me, I'm a prayer intercessor, I immediately begin to question them regarding what sin is God dealing with in your heart? Or what attitude is he trying to change? And if the person says, I have no idea, I'm just praying, I then walk them through step by step and say, God will never answer your prayer until first you answer his agenda. That takes time and reflection, the reading of the word, fasting and prayer. And the Holy Spirit then begins to convict and begins to speak. Let's come back. Watchful, seeing that Christian has stopped his progress as if he would go back, cried out, Is your strength so small? Don't fear the lions, for they're chained and are placed there to test your faith and to discover those who have none. Keep in the middle of the path, and no harm shall come to you. Then I saw that Christian went forward, trembling with fear because of the lions, but carefully following the direction of the porter. He heard them roar, but they could not harm him. Then he clapped his hands and went on until he came and stood in front of the gate where the porter was. Then said Christian to the porter, Sir, whose house is this? And may I lodge here tonight? The porter answered, This house was built by the Lord of the hill. He built it for the relief and the security of pilgrims. The porter also asked Christian, where he was from, and where he was going. I want to stop again. I want you to pay attention now as I read this to the questions that begin to be asked. This house that he is stopping in is the church. It's a place of rest. It's a place of peace. It's a place of refreshment. He's on his journey. God has no grandkids. All of us will stand alone before the judgment bar of God, and we will be judged first on whether or not we repented of our sins and turned away from wickedness and allowed the blood of Jesus to wash those sins away. And we will be judged based on what we have or have not done in the service of the King. If a person says to me, I'm saved, but they do not abide in Christ. They do not bear fruit. Then I know they're lying, or they have been deceived, because they are not yet saved. Any person who is saved 
is saved from sin and saved to salvation, to righteousness. So let's continue. Listen to the questions. He asked Christian where he was from and where he was going. I came from the city of destruction, and I'm going to Mount Zion, Christian replied. But because the sun has now set, I was hoping to lodge here tonight. The porter inquired, What is your name? My name is now Christian, but my name used to be Graceless. I came of the race of Japheth, whom God will persuade to dwell in the tents of Shem. But why is it that you've come so late? The porter asked. The sun has indeed set. I need to stop again here. When someone asks you, where are you from? How do you answer? I would hope you would answer, I am from the city of destruction, and I'm on my way to Mount Zion. What would they say to you if you answered in such a manner? Wouldn't that open wide the door of conversation? I was born in Denver, Colorado. And usually when people have asked me, where are you from? I say, I'm from Denver, Colorado. But that's really not the truth. I'm not from Denver, Colorado. I'm from the city of destruction. And I'm now on my way to Mount Zion. And I'm telling you from the point I first read this book, I'm now answering people when they ask, Where are you from? I'm from the city of destruction. Now, since I made the decision to do that, no one has asked me where I'm from. But I know my answer is solid, and God will send just the right person to ask me, Pastor, where are you from? And with great enjoyment, I'm going to answer their question. Now as to the question that Christian is asked, why have you come so late? I want to say something else. On Wednesday evening, a person came late to our time of prayer and Bible study at the National Prayer Chapel. And this person had also not been in attendance for the last two Sundays. And so I stopped what I was doing. It was a group of about 20 of us, I stopped what I was doing with the scripture and I turned to her and I said to her, we've missed you. Where have you been? Have you been out of town? Have you been traveling? No, I've, I've been in town. And immediately the look on her face, she knew that she had not been where she had been called by the Holy Spirit to be. You see, I think it's time in the body of Christ that we stop treating the church like a bus station where people walk in and walk out. And it's not a grocery store where you come in and grab some food, shove it in your bag, and then walk out. No, the church is family. 
And when you come into the family of God, questions need to be asked of you. I read once in the early church when a person came to the door, they would be asked the question, have you committed any sin this week? And if the answer was yes, the question would be, what was your sin and have you repented of it? After it was clear that you had repented of your sin, you were welcome to enter into the fellowship of the body of Christ. Now, of course, this was during a time of immense persecution. And the church wanted to make certain that if you were going to come in and be treated as a member of the fellowship, you were clean before God. I wonder if this Sunday, when you approach the door of the church, if the person greeting you were to say, Are you clean before God? Have you repented of all your sin? What would be your answer? Would you be offended and say, It's none of your business. I'm not coming in. Then your heart would be revealed, wouldn't it? And we would quickly know whether you were formalist or hypocrisy, or whether you were a pilgrim by the name of Christian. Christian replied, I would have been here sooner, but wretched man that I am, I slept in the arbor that stands on the hillside, and in my sleep I lost my scroll. I traveled without it to the brow of the hill where I searched for it but could not find it. I was then forced with a sorrowful heart to go back to the arbor where I had slept. It was there I recovered my scroll, and now I am here. Christian refers to himself as a wretched man because he went to sleep in the arbor and comforted his flesh. And in the process of comforting his flesh, he lost the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when he lost the testimony of the Spirit, when he lost the promises of God, he was utterly destitute. Because without the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you will walk away from the kingdom of God. It is only the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart refreshing you and calling you after Jesus that causes you to be a servant of the Most High God. If we were left to our own devices, we would quickly wander off the path, be seduced by Satan, and then be cast into hell. So he is brokenhearted that he has come so late to the church because he has been sleeping. He has not been willing to take up his cross. And so he went all the way back to where he lost his scroll. Now let me be clear with you. If you do not have in your heart the testimony of the Holy Spirit's presence, you have lost the scroll that God has given to you. 
and with it you have made of non-effect the promise of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's necessary now for you to go backwards, to go back to the place where you sinned against the Most High God, back to that place and repent there, and remain in that place until you once more have a testimony of the Holy Spirit in your heart that you are walking clean and righteous before God, that you are not walking in any willful sin against the Lord. John Bunyan was a Reformed Baptist, but he believed that if the Christian carried sin in his life, he would be lost. John Bunyan believed that it was possible, nay, it was necessary, an absolute necessity to walk day by day with no rebellion in your heart against the Most High God. Now, a caller two days ago asked the question, Are you speaking here of sinless perfection? And the answer is no. Because I'm still immature, I still have infirmities in my life. But I am without rebellion against the Most High. I live day by day without disobedience and rebellion against Jesus. He's washed me and made me clean. I walk with that assurance of the Holy Spirit in my heart. It is the most precious gift I have. The promises of God, the scriptures, and the testimony of the Holy Spirit that brings to life that testimony in my heart. Do you have this? Or have you become accustomed and comfortable walking in rebellion against Jesus? Have you bought the lie that the blood of Jesus is so weak and so powerless that it cannot wash away your sin? Have you believed that the blood of Jesus cannot break every bondage of sin? If you don't believe that Jesus can break the bondage of every sin in your life right now, how can you trust the blood of Jesus to bring you into the celestial city? How can you trust the blood of Jesus to do something tomorrow that today it is too weak to accomplish? Do you see the dichotomy? that is facing us. Either the power, the dunamis, the dynamite power of God is real, or it is not. Either Christianity is either a psychological crutch for the weak and the infirm, or the blood of Jesus Christ restores us and establishes us and makes us powerful in the name of Jesus Christ and gives us victory over sin, the world, and the devil, gives us victory over the flesh. If you are not having victory over the flesh, then you need to recognize that you need to sit on the mourner's bench and you need to get clean before God. And there is only one 
nothing in the universe that can make you clean again. And that is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're in a church that doesn't speak much of sin, if you're in a church that doesn't speak much of the blood, if you're in a church that tells you that you can continue walking in sin and be saved, you need to run as fast as you can run from that place and that preacher. You need to be in a place where the man of God is going to exalt the blood of Jesus Christ, where he is going to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, where he is going to praise and worship the delivering power of Jesus Christ, where the cross is lifted up. Some of you are in churches, I fear, that don't even have a cross in them because the cross is an offense to the world and you would not want to offend. I mean, do you understand the emerging church is utter foolishness in the removal of the cross and in saying that the word of God is is not really for sure, it's not an absolute. I want to tell you, I believe in the word of God. I believe that Every word the Lord has spoken is true. I believe in the infallible, authoritative word of the living God. It is my final authority. It is what reveals to me the wondrous glory of Jesus Christ. It reveals to me the risen Christ. It reveals to me the coming Christ. I don't know how I could live without the word of God. Now, if you don't have this testimony of righteousness in your heart, I urge you to call me. Call now. Let me pray with you. Let me plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your life. You must have victory in Jesus or you cannot be saved. Let me say that again. You must have victory in Jesus or you cannot be saved. Don't let this word discourage you. Let this word cause you to rise up and get serious about walking with Jesus. My phone number, 877-534-0780. My name is Ray Greenley, and I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find directions, and I welcome you to come. If you don't have a place where righteousness is taught, where Jesus Christ is lifted up, if you don't have a place where you're convicted of your sin, then come to the National Prayer Chapel and join together with others as we wait upon Jesus, as we glorify his name. There's only one name that fills my heart and causes me to sing. His name is Jesus. He is the healer of my soul. He is the restorer of my soul. He is the purifier of my soul. Are you clean today before Jesus? Lord, I just have to stop in the midst of this broadcast 
and plead your blood over the men and women who are listening. Lord, don't let them just casually go about their day. Don't let them just go on to the next deal. But Lord, stop them in their tracks. Speak to their hearts. I plead your blood over them right now. Holy Spirit of the living God, bring deep conviction into the heart and soul of my brother or my sister. Lord, you alone can do this work by the power of your blood, by the power of your Holy Spirit. I plead now mercy over every listener. Thank you, Jesus. 877-534-0780. Christian answers the question, what is your name? By saying, my name is now Christian, but my name used to be graceless. Why have you come so late? The sun has already set. I would have been here sooner, but wretched man that I am, I slept in the arbor that stands on the hillside. And in my sleep, I lost my scroll. I traveled without it to the brow of the hill where I searched for it, but could not find it. I was then forced with a sorrowful heart to go back to the arbor where I had slept. It was there I recovered my scroll. And now I'm here. The porter stated, Well, I will call out one of the virgins of this place who will, if she approves of your testimony, bring you in to the rest of the family according to the rules of the house. Isn't that interesting? John John Bunyan is saying that in his understanding, the virgin represents the church. And the only way you can enter the only way you can enter into the church is with the approval of the virgin based on your testimony. Now I want you to watch. Then watchful, the porter rang a bell at the sound of which a serious-looking, beautiful maiden came out of the door of the house. Her name was Discretion. So he's defining the church as discretion. She immediately asked the porter why she had been called. The porter answered, This man is on a journey from the city of destruction to Mount Zion. But being weary and with, with night coming on, he has asked me if he might lodge here tonight. I told him I would call for you. After having a conversation with him, you may do as seems best to you, even according to the laws of the house. And then she asked Christian where he was from and where he was going. Now, do you note this is the second time this question has been asked? And I have to ask you, where are you from and where are you going? 
That is a vital question. The answer must be, I am from the city of destruction, and I am on my way to Mount Zion. That is the answer of every true Christian. And so Christian told her, and she asked him how he got into the way, and he told her. She's asking this question because had he answered, I climbed over the wall, she would not allow him to have lodging in the church. The church is a place of rest for the pilgrim who has entered by the narrow door. Then it's a place of evangelism for those who are lost, but they are directed to go back and enter by the narrow door, the narrow gate. And they're counseled then to take up their cross and then to proceed on their journey. And then when they come once more to the house, they're invited to enter. She asked him what he had seen and met within the way, to which he replied, My name is Christian, and I have a very strong desire to lodge here tonight because from what I perceive, this place was built by the Lord of the hill for the relief and security of pilgrims. So she smiled with tears in her eyes, and after a short pause she said, I will call two or three more of the family. Do you see what caused tears to come into her eyes? His testimony was that he was a Christian, that he had come in by the narrow gate. He was testifying that he wanted only to lodge in the house of the Lord. He did not want to dwell in the house of the devil. Many today have been chased by the dogs of the devil into the house of the devil. They even do church in the house of the devil. They even name the name of Jesus in the house of the devil. But it is an unclean place. There are no arrows of conviction. There is simply wonderful Broadway entertainment. And that is why I say to you, you will find churches by the hundreds located on Broadway, on the wide highway that leads to destruction. But thank God you will also find those houses of worship, those houses of rest you will find on the narrow path. It is to those that I want to travel and rest. So she ran to the door and called out for prudence, piety, and charity, who after a little more conversation with him, invited him to meet the family. Many of them met him at the threshold of the house. Come in, they said, you are blessed of the Lord. This house was built by the Lord of the hill for the purpose of showing hospitality to pilgrims such as yourself. 
Then he bowed his head and followed them into the house. I want to ask you a very serious question. Are you blessed of the Lord? Oh, I don't mean, I don't mean you're saying, I have all that I need. I have a house and I have a car and God has been very good to me and, and thank God for all he's given me. And no, I'm saying, answer me in a serious manner. Do you have the scroll of God in your bosom? Do you have in your heart the testimony of the Spirit that you are walking without sin before the Almighty God? Do you have a testimony in your heart that you're walking clean and that the true blessing of Jesus is resting upon you? When you go in the prayer closet, do you have authority? Can you change what is in the physical realm by simply going in the prayer closet and crying aloud to God? Do you see answers to your cry? I don't mean maybe answers. I mean life-saving answers. Do you have access today, my brother, my sister? Do you have access to the throne of God? Can you go before the throne of God with your petitions? Or are you shut out of heaven by your sin? Answer me truthfully. Don't wiggle out of this question. Don't give me fine-sounding arguments. Don't tell me, oh, I'm saved, and when God looks at me, he looks at Jesus. No, when Jesus is your judge, all judgment has been given into the hand of Jesus. When he looks at you, he's not going to see himself. He's going to see you. And when he looks at you, what does he see? Does he see a blood-washed person with sins forgiven? Does he see a sanctified person made holy now by the precious blood that has been given as a gift? You see, righteousness and holiness are not achieved by our strength. Righteousness and holiness are given to us just as is the forgiveness of past sins. It is all a gift given to us by the blood shed on Calvary's tree. How do you stand today? Be serious with me. Are you blessed of God? Do you walk clean before him? Or are you filled with sin? Almighty God, Give each listener, please, the courage to answer this question honestly and then to do whatever your Holy Spirit leads them to do, either to rejoice and praise your name if they are clean before you or to enter into deep repentance, fasting, and prayer, sitting on the mourner's bench until the testimony is returned or given to their heart that they've been washed and made clean by the precious blood. O Lord, have your way today in the name of Jesus. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel 
I invite you to come and worship with us this Sunday. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com and there you'll find directions for coming to the National Prayer Chapel or call me on 703-672-1203. That number again, 703-672-1203. And God bless you. To keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy with great Presence of His glory will